Well, a very dovish statement by the RBA yesterday, and the Australian dollar took a hit and still hasn't made it back. So all eyes are going to be on Philip Lowe for the justification when he talks today. The influence of retail traders in the United States has subsided. There's been uh, big falls in their target stocks today, and generally the stock market has come bouncing back. Also the same story for silver. It's now back to how it was with the markets driven by vaccine news and government and bank stimulus programs, just like it was before. Plus a bunch of PMIs today. It's Wednesday, the 3rd of February, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, another big day for U.S. equities. The Dow is at 1.9%, 1.7% for the Nasdaq, 1.6% for the S&P 500. The Eurostox 50 is also at 1.7% and 0.8% for the FTSE 100. The U.S. dollar is up today, about 0.3%. It's about 2% up over the last month. And the losses today have been in the pound, which is down just a little, about 0.1%. The euro, 0.3% down. But the Aussie dollar losing half a percent, although it is clawing some of that back right now. Bond yields are nudging up a little, two basis points added to 10-year treasuries, three basis points for 10 years in Germany, uh, the UK, France and Italy. And silver down over 10%. <laughs> WTI crude is up 2.3%. The VIX has calmed down as well, down to 26, getting back to more or less where it was before the whole Reddit episode. Now, Rodrigo Cotrill is here today, Senior FX Strategist for Markets at NAB in Sydney. So look, a 46% fall in GameStop today. And I also mentioned the fall that we're seeing in silver. So the day trader impact, the Reddit impact has eased. There's still a concern, though, isn't there, in the United States that stocks are overvalued, even though we saw a huge rise in the in the major indices today. I mean, there's uh, who knows which direction they're going to. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I suspect that the, uh, the the VIX index might start rising again because it's still pretty volatile, isn't it? Uh, morning, Phil. They're quite right. They're still very volatile. I mean, we've we seen good uh, second day of good returns for, for equity markets. But of course, we also had big declines pre- prior to that. So the volatility is still there. Uh, the VIX is, is easing up somewhat. And, and I think market sentiment is also easy. It's, it's sort of improving in the sense that the irrational behavior, if you like, from a valuation perspective in terms of what we've seen by those retail-driven um, surges in prices and now declines, um, it's it's kind of making markets a little bit more sort of comfortable that we kind of back to some sort of normality uh, where um, equity markets can now look to trade based on on, on more sort of rational fundamental uh, basis. Uh, it remains to be seen. Um, and then um, there's also even talk that maybe now that they'll start looking at other markets, including currencies. So um, I think that that uncertainty, uh, it remains there. Um, and it rep- depends really on what, whether a blogger finds a good idea that finds, you know, appeal across the, the, the retail spectrum. And then you will see another search. In well, there, there are less short positions around today, but I wonder how long that's going to last for. Of course, the, uh, the big news today on, on shares is uh, Amazon and Alphabet. Uh, they could have an impact a few hours from now when they release their earnings results, uh, both up a little under 2% today. But, I mean, we've seen big rises over the last few days for both of them. Yes, I mean, I suppose in general what, what we've seen and one of the positive aspects of the, the market performance overnight is that it's been a broad improvement. It hasn't just been one sector, but uh, in fact, all sectors are doing really well. Um, and as you say, the Alphabet and um, Amazon, uh, the um, they will be reporting after the bell, so that's important to bear in mind that it won't, won't be reflected in prices today, uh, but it certainly can set the tone into the Asia Open as well. Now, on vaccine news, there's 100 million vaccine shots now worldwide, and almost 10% of those are in the UK. The problem is, of course, there are now 
more headlines about new variants and mutations and concerns that these that these could make the, the vaccines less effective and uh, more news than all likelihood you know the vaccines aren't going to st- may stop you getting infected but they're not going to stop you getting passed on uh, passing it on so uh, you're just not getting symptoms but you are still infectious but on the good news front the Sputnik V vaccine from Russia uh, which uh, has an efficacy of 91.6% I think a lot of people were dismissing that but now there's been a study in the Lancet so that sort of makes it credible so that's another one to add to the list uh, but uh, Dr Fauci in the US making the point today that this has got to be a global rollout for the, for that reason that you need you need everyone to be vaccinated uh, before it becomes uh, truly effective so 100 million uh, what's the population of the planet 7.5 billion so quite a few to go just yet now look yesterday we talked about the RBA possibly easing off its QE, saying that they were sort of doing it already, so uh, they, we'd, we'd, they would probably signal they just continue to do that. Well, we couldn't have been more wrong about that, could we? Another <laughs> $100 billion bonds, $100 worth of bonds over the next six months, that's not tapering, and uh, lower rates for longer. So there's going to be a lot of interest in what uh, Governor Lowe has got to say today. How is he going to account for himself? Yes, quite right. I mean, I think that the, the market at ourselves, we're, we're right in pointing out that the, the RBA... Uh, had to note the improvement in the economic data and effectively uh, acknowledge uh, an improvement in terms of the, the forecast that, the, that we're going to get on Friday. And, and we did in fact get that, uh, got that. So, um, but the, the sort of the dovish surprise is that, uh, despite the improvements in the economy and despite the improvements in the forecast, uh, the, the RBA is still retaining a very aggressive, um, you know, easing mode. Uh, and in particular, it's not looking to reduce that QE program. In fact, it's now, you know, extended it by another 100 billion. Um, despite the fact that not only the economy is doing well, but also that the fiscal position is also improving and there will be a decline of issuance relative to what we expected, you know, a few months ago. So that was the, the big surprise. And as you say, also the commitment and reminder that uh, the RBA remains committed to keeping the, the cash rate as low as possible until we get to, to those targets in terms of the labor market. Um, if anything, it also highlights that um, this is not just the thematic that we've seen in the, in the RBA. We, we've seen it across other central banks. Um, you know, the rhetoric coming from Fed speakers again overnight and the night before has been very aggressive in terms of saying we are going to continue to stimulate and see until we see, um, you know, the, the economy getting close to the targets, particularly in terms of the labor market. So, um, in that sense, it's probably not surprising how aggressive the RBA is. Because in particular, you don't want to be changing the tune when everybody else is continuing to be super, 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 you know, stimulatory. In that sense, that could have a big impact in terms of markets and, and currencies. Well, it does all get back to, you know, what I was just talking about, doesn't it? The vaccines. How effective are they going to be? How fast are they going to be rolled out uh, on a global scale? And uh, we don't know the answers to all of that. But look, we saw the Aussie dollar down so much, presumably because in part, I mean, apart from the, the strength in the US dollar, also that uh, uh, that dovishness from the RBA. The the euro also down a fair bit, even though there were no big surprises in European GDP. The flash GDP for Q4 year on year down 5.1%, 0.7% down Q on Q uh, for, for Q4. It didn't surprise anyone, or did it? Is that why we saw a weaker euro? Well, I suppose the, the expectations for a, a, a good print and improvement in print in terms of the, the initial expectations was already there, given the upward surprises that we got, particularly from France and, and Spain. Um, so it, that wasn't a surprise. And I think that the, the focus really is about the fact that 
for one, Q4 was a little bit better than expected. It's still negative. Uh, but really the concern is around Q1 and how significant the drag will be given all the lockdown measures that have been introduced, uh, because of the, the, the second wave or third wave in some instances in, in terms of the, the virus. So, um, in that sense that the GDP data didn't have a massive effect. Um, and if anything, that there's that sort of concern in the market that, um, maybe this sort of uh, base case scenario where the U.S. economy is the one lagging behind because of the, the struggles they had last year, maybe that, that dynamic is changing somewhat given that the vaccine rollouts have, have been more efficient in, in the U.S. and there's still some struggles, particularly in Germany and, and in Europe itself on, in terms of uh, how quickly they're going to get those vaccine rollouts. Yeah, and I guess if they do get this uh, stimulus over the line, eventually uh, then that's going to be more dollar strength, isn't it? But, you know, there's... I mean, how long has this been going on for? Uh, they're still uh, backwards and forwards, aren't they, trying to reach some agreement? And uh, I think now Joe Biden's trying to get back to his original figure of over a trillion, uh, abandoning that uh, you know that compromise of of, of six hundred billion. Uh, when's it all going to happen? Well, um, there's two sort of dynamics going on at the moment. One, Biden is very much of the idea of trying to reach this sort of bipartisan outcome. Um, but the, the, the House is still pushing to this idea of doing the reconcil- budget reconciliation process, which will kickstart next week if nothing is achieved between now and then. So there's certainly sort of that pressure, if you like, mm. coming from, from the House to, to remind Republicans that if they don't play ball, then there's still another avenue in order to reach the outcome that the Democrats want. So um, it remains to be seen that, as, as you said, the general sense is that Biden will be willing to come down from 1.9 to around 1 trillion. Uh, the starting point from the Republicans is 600. So um, maybe there's there's enough there to, to, to reach a compromise. 800, um, sounds, like, 800 sounds like a good number, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just let's just do it down the middle and get on with it. Anyway, we'll we'll see how it rolls out. Look, uh, also this morning, first off, uh, we get the labour force numbers for New Zealand with the uh, the un- unemployment rate expected to kick up a fair bit there. Yes, um, if anything, the, the key is that is is already expected. So. Uh, if anything, the, 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 the big mm. surprise will be that it's not as bad as expected, and therefore uh, it could be a, a, a big boost for, for the Kiwi. Uh, the general story or narrative in terms of the expectations of the labor market in, in New Zealand is that over the very near term, we should see this upward pressure in terms of the unemployment rate rising. But the leading indicators of the labor market are telling us that you should also expect a, a significant decline thereafter. So so the market is sort of maybe kind of willing mm. to look through this weakness, near-term weakness, um, on the expectations that uh, the solid performance of the economy in New Zealand will translate into an improvement in the labor market eventually. It always surprises me. I mean, they've got 56 or 5% unemployment there with hardly any COVID cases at all, in fact, none. And the UK is riddled with it and they've got an unemployment rate of 5%. I guess it's a, it's a bit of a structural thing. Yes, and the other thing you also got to bear in mind is that it's also about where you believe or where is that natural rate of unemployment. So in the UK, the natural rate of unemployment is a lot lower. It's probably closer to to three three something, whereas in New Zealand is around four point nine five. So on that basis, that employment rate in New Zealand is actually quite close to where it, you know it's natural level is and where you start seeing inflation pressures. Right, it's PMI day today, isn't it? We get the Caging Services PMI for China. We get the Market Services uh, and Composite uh, PMIs for the Euro area, for Germany as well, for the UK, and the ISM Non-Manufacturing PMI for the US, all for January, I guess, to give us an idea of, uh, you know, comparatively how countries are doing. This is quite useful. Yes, it's quite useful. And I think that the, the focus particularly will be in China, on, on China and the US. 
Uh, for China, the market is expecting a small ease in the number from 56.3 to 55.5. Importantly, though, what we've seen in, in recent months in terms of PMI readings coming from China is that while still positive, they're, they're sort of coming off their peaks. And, and that's an important narrative because obviously we don't want them to continue to decline. So uh, it will be a little bit of focus on there. And the ISM, ISM services index as well is expected to ease somewhat from 57.2 to 56.7, but still pretty solid numbers. Um, if anything, the ISM services, the, the, the interesting thing will be on the details of the survey, of the index of the survey and particularly that that price a uh, uh, sub index which tends to correlate a little bit more with uh, the core inflation in the, in the US so a bit of attention on that as well yeah absolutely there has been a bit of attention we get CPI uh, incidentally for Europe as well today but there's going to be less interest in that perhaps uh, but also the uh, ADP employment numbers for the US which uh, you mean you hope they're not going to be bad but if they are bad, then that is going to help Joe Biden's case for trying to get the stimulus package over the line, I would have thought. Yes, it, it, it certainly comes into the narrative. Uh, at the moment, the ADP change is expected to be a positive one uh, of plus 50 compared to that negative number that we got uh, last month. So so that may not, not be as helpful as, as you say, but it's certainly it's not expected to be a big number anyway. So even if it's just a small positive print, um, uh, you can still argue that weakness in the labour market in the US is still very much evident. Exactly, it's not going to detract from it. Yeah, absolutely. Great to talk uh, Rodrigo. Catch you again very soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks Phil. Cheers. And that's Wednesday morning's morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then. Bye.